think that's the key to it all is that when you realize who you are in Christ and the authority you carry, no matter what, that's why I love that song of that crazy love. There's nothing that can separate us. And, and then the song we wrote about the turnaround is that, that, that he loves us in our mess, that this overcomer thing that we're talking about, that, that he loves us in our time of need. He loves us when it's good, and he loves us when it's bad. And, and no matter what you look like, see, the enemy wants to come in, and he wants to disrupt something. And he wants you to believe that everybody's against you. And he wants you to believe that everybody's judging you. And he wants you to believe that you're going to be full of anxiety and depression and, and, and live a life that is going to crumble every time you step foot in the presence of, of the Lord. The difference is, is there is a crumbling that happens. Because when I, when I face down to God, he brings me face up to him. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a difference of, the, of what he does. But the enemy's trying to play a game. Today we're going to get in the overcomer. I, I hope that you've enjoyed uh, last week. If you weren't here, you need to go on and listen. I got to interview my mom and dad, and that was incredible um, and crazy at the same time. But it was a powerful testimony of what God can do through some broken people. Um, and so I encourage you to go. Knowing that we had to do that, it was, it was crazy. So today we're going to uh, take it a step further and I knew I needed to start with my parents. I don't know why, but I know now because I didn't know when we were talking that two days later was the 35-year anniversary of when that happened, when that happened at that house and that drug house. And I say it, and I'll say it one more time. I found Jesus in a drug house. And so what I, when, when you wonder, like, why I'm so passionate about the Lord, because his love never failed. It saw me in my brokenness and still accepted me. You know what I mean? So... That, that's what's crazy about his love. And, and so two days later was this whole experience that happened. So my mom was leaving, and I called her. I said, Mom, let's go live. Let's just make a quick video. I didn't even realize that this was 35 years ago, two days later on Tuesday, that when that happened at that house where Christ invaded our soul in a drug house. And she's going out of town to see my sister, and so she's got to get on 70. I said, well, just hop you know, on third and go this way instead of cutting across, you know, going east. Just come this way first. And so we started a video, and um, at first we talked to the owners and said, we're going to make a video. We're not trying to be weird or creepers, because um, that can be weird. And so they talked, and they said, yeah, we've lived here for 31 years. We always heard at the beginning of living here that this was a bad drug house, and there was a lot of problems here in this neighborhood because of this home. And I said, that was my mom and dad. Uh, so that was a weird conversation at first. But then they go inside, and I'm like live. And if you haven't seen the video, you need to go to our Facebook page on Remnant, uh, Remnant Church. Me and my mom are talking, and all of a sudden, you see somebody slowly walking up between us. And long story short, they invited us to go inside that house and have a moment in that house. And everything's raw. I didn't turn the camera off until I stepped back out of the house. And so what a crazy moment. And I don't want to go into depth of that because it's all on the video. You just have to go see it for yourself, what happened. You, you, I'm telling you right now, it's going to move you to a point. Because the Holy Spirit was just so heavy, and we haven't been in that house since that house was full of drugs and alcohol and everything else. It started to shift, yeah. And by the time it really shifted, we moved. And so today, I want to, uh, I want to bring up somebody to uh, kind of talk the story. And uh, that, that guy is actually me. 
So you're going to hear from me today. So that's cool and weird at the same time. Um, and I, I, you know, I was trying to figure out the best way to do this because I have, and I promise you this, you don't want to miss a week because the people that are lined up to do this, you better hold on to your seatbelts <laughs> because God is so powerful in how he overcomes and how people can make it through life. And it's amazing to hear their stories and then for, for us to come together so you can hear it and understand this overcoming power of Jesus Christ. In Revelations, it talks about that. You overcome by the blood of the Lamb, what he did on the cross, and the word of our testimony. And so I kept on, I kept on hesitating because I'm like, I, need, I know I should say something, but I'm you know, trying to get everything in order for like what we're doing with everybody else. And I knew I needed to go next because of what happened with mom and dad, and I need to tell my story from that point on so you can understand the full circle of what just happened. And so I want to talk to you a little bit um, about me. And I think by the end of this that you're going to understand maybe the way things are and why they're the way they are um, and what God has done. When you heard the story of my parents in some areas, <coughs> you know, they was raw. And I hope you're ready today because I'm, it's, going to be, it's going to be that hot moment today. Humble, open, and transparent. It's going to be raw. And I hope you're ready because I'm just, I, I, ain't no, we ain't got nothing to hide. We got, a, we got everything to give to the Lord. But when I was little, and we talked a little bit about this, my mom and dad, you know, like I said, they came from two broken, broken situations. One was kind of put together good, and then it broke, and then it fell apart. And dad's just never had anything. Um, it's because that's all he knew was he was the, 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 the bastard of the family because, you know, that you weren't my real son and I don't care about you. And so when I came on the scene, as far as I can remember, like I said, there was times that we were shifted over to babysitters. And like he said, there was times I didn't even know these people. Um, I got to know them, but I didn't know them because they were busy doing their life and going to the bars and doing the things they were doing. So we would go to the babysitters. And these babysitters were just people in the projects that they lived by that they just talked to off and on. Like, can you watch my kid? Yeah, okay. And, and thank God those were some moments that happened. Um, but in those moments, you know, nothing I say is anything to, to bash my family. I'm just wanting to give you a perspective of how crazy it was so that you can understand how crazy his love is. So you can understand how good God is and that he can save a wretch like me. Any other wretches in the room? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he can save this guy. He can save somebody else. Um, and he's so good. There were times growing up that I remember these moments of, 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 you know, mom and dad so caught up in what they were doing that you know, stuff would be going on. Dad would be passed out. Mom would be trying to do stuff, but the, then the kitchen's on fire because there's too much grease in the oil, and Dad's passed out. Mom's trying to do something. Everything was chaotic. Too many parties, too much, too much cocaine, too much marijuana, too much drugs. This is me as a kid watching this unfold, not knowing what to think or what, what went on. You know, times that when my parents probably didn't even realize that that happened when I'm just a little tiny guy and I'm just, Daddy, I need a drink. And Dad's like halfway passed out and hands me his beer and I drink the rest of it. And, and he probably don't even remember that, Dad, because you were probably passed out. Times that I 
lick my fingers so I can touch what and taste what was being snorted in people's noses because if, well, if it's that good for them, why can't I try it? Real stuff, but my parents probably didn't know that either. But it's not that I was like trying to hide it. I just didn't know. I was just a little child trying to figure out what is all this and what's this all about and, and why everybody keeps pumping kegs and what is a keg and, you know, just, under, just like this is the life I live now. And as that all transformed, and, and, and before that transformed, though, is there was moments of just trying to, to live. Even before we went into the house, we were just at the other place that my parents, there was times that they didn't even know I was gone. I remember going, I don't know if you remember this, Dad, and you probably don't, but there were times I went to church on the bus, and you didn't even know I was gone until I got home. I went to children's church, and that was down the street in West Terre Haute. And I would ride the bus, and they would pick us up. No, I don't know why there was no questions asked in that moment. But they were just glad that somebody went to church. But I'm telling you, I was like four or five years old, getting on the bus and going to church or just running around the projects a lot. And, and having those moments, and that's when, you know, I got myself hurt and different things because of, of those kind of things that was going on. You know, and little things that I kept seeing, like going to the movies and, you know, you know how we sneak stuff into movies? Don't act like you're all holy in here. Everybody goes to Dollar Tree. Don't lie. Well, my mom and dad didn't go to the Dollar Tree. They just went to the liquor store, and he would take a 12-pack of glass bottles. And I'll never forget going to see the first Batman, and his bottles fell and rolled all the way to the front. And, and I remember that. I don't know why I remember that. You remember that, Mike? Yeah, I know. Um, but, that, but that's his life. He, he had to have a beer. He had to have a few beers. And, and, and we would take, but I, you know, I, we went, but I would watch these things unfold and see it. The stuff I would used to see and watch and view uh, because there was no filter in my life. All the scariest movies that, you know, they think they got scary movies now. Think about the 80s and early 70s or late 70s of the scariest movies and watching these crazy things. And I became numb to it. That was my life. Numb. And, 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 and can I say something real quick about that? I, I don't want to go too deep in it, but I'm telling you, whatever you let into these gateways, into these doors, will soak into your life. Oh, I love a scary movie. I can't wait to see the new Halloween. I can't wait to see the exercise. Oh, it just gives me. No, it gives you something. There's a spirit behind it. I promise. And then so that would take place, and that was numb. But when things started to change, like I said, in the front yard and wondering why mom's laying on the floor, speaking some, some, some words like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Genesis, and I'm like, what is these words? I never, we did, you know, I went to church, and I got my kazoo, you know, like, and I went home, and they, they, they never knew, like, I was going to church and all that, but I didn't know, and then it, it was the craziest thing. It was as fast as mom got up off that floor and went into the living room and then to the bedroom as fast as she sat on the edge of that bed and said, do you want to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior? So she gave her heart to the Lord, and they left. She went into the room and led me to the Lord in that same moment. In that moment. I don't think you paid tithe. I didn't think you got baptized yet, or I don't think you, you did all these steps, Mom, to, to get to that place to lead me to the Lord. You just knew God changed your life, and it was the instant that you need to start doing it. People think they got to jump through hoops before. The, all the stuff I just said is just our obedience. When God pulls on you, you move. 
And so that started happening. So like I said, there were times where I would want to go watch these movies or Tales from the Crypt like at 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night with popcorn. And mom's like, you can't, we're well, not doing that. I'm like, why? That's all I've ever done. Well, well, mom, look, Hellraiser's on. Let's watch that. I've watched that three times. No, we ain't doing that anymore. Why, mom? That's what we've done. And so there was a culture shock. But I'll tell you, my mom didn't, and, I, and, and eventually my dad, because it was just mom first, did not give up. And, and I'll tell you to, to some mothers that maybe if, if father, if, it can go either way. If, if, if dad's not around or dad's not being completely faithful to like coming into the house of the Lord, then lead your home to the Lord, mom. <coughs> if he's not yet, don't just keep waiting, just get going. Walk by faith in it. And if it's the other way around, same, same thing. Just walk by faith. Well, he don't want to go. You, I'm going without you. Because as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And just keep walking it out. Because in t- time will tell, I promise, if, if you keep staying, God's going to do something about it. And so those things happen, and like, like I said, with cartoons and stuff. And I wasn't lying when I said, literally, like, you can't watch Smurfs anymore. I'm like, Smurfs? I love Smurfs. What's wrong with Azrael and Gargamel? Like, those are my dudes. And if you, you, some of you kids have no idea what I'm talking about. But, but there was a lot of other things going on. You know, like today you guys like get crazy about Harry Potter. It's evil, it's demonic, but you like Lord of the Rings. What's any different? There's an eagle flying at the end. <laughs> There's a good witch and a bad witch, but we like Wizard of Oz, right? Or any Disney princess movie. Anyway, that's too deep because some of you are going to get real offended real fast because we justify what we do. Anyway, so those things were happening and I was torn because I was justifying what we were doing. Because I didn't, I didn't know. And, and as it started happening, I started, you know, they, they just stood, stuck to their, their guns on it. That's, I guess you could say that. And we started seeing, like, those turnaround points. Like Mom said, she joined that, that Christian nightclub and started doing stuff. And then we moved to Ohio. But here's what was happening. I was the kid because of the, the lack of, you know, when I was born, they didn't tell you this, that my parents couldn't afford anything. So I was born, and we went home, I guess. Obviously, I don't know this, but heard this, that they took a drawer out of the, uh, of the, clo- of, of the, the drawer, the chest drawers, and put blankets in it, and that was my bed for a while because they had no crib. They had no bassinet. So they took a drawer out and laid it on. See how y'all, when you're getting your babies and doing stuff, you got to have everything? Think you can need all of it? Honestly, all you need is to try to make it work. I'm not saying you don't need to get stuff. I get it. But what I'm saying is, is you, sometimes we put too much emphasis on stuff and forget about just being a good parent. And they had to make that work. But as we got going, I, I was that kid that had oversized shoes on. I remember going to school with my, a pair of my mom or dad's shoes, and I was little. Oversized clothes, I was the kid made fun of because I didn't look right, I didn't smell right. I, and they tried their best, but, you know, when you're... When you're hun- uh, hung over on, on, on different things and, you're, and you've been up for three days, you just, I just got to get him to school. And those things happen off and on. Not, not a lot, but they did happen. And so then when we started moving, you know, I started going to school and, and making friends. But when we went to Ohio, it was different. We started to, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It was, the, it was a change that happened big time. We moved into a new home with God as our guidance. And then we decided we need to find a good church. We need to find a church to get plugged into right out of the gate. 
You know how you guys all try to move and get into a good school district because that's important to you? Well, church was way more important than a school district. I need a church that's going to help my soul. And, and everything else is going to fall in place. A lot of times we get it backwards. But because of the move at times, because I moved from school to school and I went to Farrington Grove and I went over to a different school and another Head Start school, that I started slowly missing out, missing out on what math, missing out on, on reading, missing out on uh, different things. And then we moved to Arizona and all this stuff was going on and I'm just trying to, you know, figure out how to catch up. Obviously, there were a lot of times that my grades weren't good at all. And dad, you know, my dad was a straight A student, class president, um, which is crazy from his background. He should have been a dropout and had never done anything, but he chose to be better than what his, you know, his environment was. And I would struggle and he would get so mad and upset and mom would too because I would hide my report card and act like I, watch your mouth, and act like I uh, didn't, you know, I'll never forget when Carmen came to the Holman Center, and I, I act like my report card was going to come on Monday, but it came on Friday, but I wanted to see Carmen on Friday night. And so I just, until my cousin said, yeah, I got my report card, and I'm like, dang you. Man, I got my butt whooped. Whooped. Remember that paddle you had, Dad? <laughs> so we had this paddle. Now, some of you don't believe in spanking kids and whatever. Um, it, it says it in the Bible, and I get paddles seem like a two-by-four, but I think that one was a two-by-six. Um, so I wrote on it with the big eyes and the big teeth and mouth, and, it, and I put, feed me butt. And, uh, and he got real mad about that, and he said, well, come here, it's hungry. You know? <laughs> so I was like, you know, because that was my personality, and it, it was hungry, I guess. Um, it is still, girl. I don't need anything. The sheep are loud, God, today. Help me. Sheep are getting out of control. Um, but so there, there was those moments of discipline and trying to figure out life and all this and that. But we started moving. But when I did, I started falling behind. But I didn't really say anything because I was enjoying life. Like some of you kids don't know what I'm talking about when you just like stay outside and ride your bike and everybody shows up at a friend's house or sit on the sit on the, uh, the power unit in the middle of the, the apartment complex and that's your tag base and that's where you hang out um, and just play for hours. I mean, now you guys are online playing for hours and eating Cheetos and just swelling up. And, uh, and don't go outside and do anything active. Um, and this is, this is the stuff we struggle with today. You couldn't get me to come inside unless I had to. And, and, and we didn't have bottles of water. We had hoses from Sister Tacky Mouth. You know what I'm saying? We just ran over and took a drink and ran back to see who didn't get caught. Um, but we started doing this, and then we got in Arizona, and what's crazy is, uh, I'll fast forward and rewind at the same time. We went to a church, and I started, was in children's church and stuff, but fast forward in the future, that was the, and I went back to that same church, and we became the youth pastor at that church, which was crazy. Um, it, but leading up to that wasn't. Um, but we got back home, and, and we came back home in a January. I'm, I'm just trying to tell you a little story so I can get you to understand who I am. Um, we came back home in, in, in January and from Arizona, and there was no grass or nothing. I remember moving over there on Monterey Street with a big green house. And uh, sixth grade in Arizona was elementary school. So I came back in January, okay? January, the school's already started. 
Guess where I went? I went to junior high, Wildrow Wilson, in the middle. Any Wilson fans? Anybody who went to Wilson? Oh, Coach Sam. Um, <laughs> but I went to Wilson. Wilson has, Wilson looks like the place on Back to the Future when they get the car going. You just hit, you know, they need to reenact that there. But anyway, I went there and I never knew, I never, I was only with, you know, elementary with one teacher. So it was a culture shock to me not even knowing how to deal with anything. I didn't know how to turn on a combination. My dad worked so much because he was trying to provide, but became a workaholic, so then we didn't see him. He was in China and Germany, and I don't, Dad, you, I don't, so many countries, it was unreal. He'd always bring us back stuff, and it was cool to see, but he wasn't there because he was trying to provide, and it became a, a new drug than drugs. And so when I got there, it was a culture shock. I didn't know anybody, obviously, and I didn't, I've never been to multiple classrooms. I didn't get to prepare myself for that moment. And so I lost a lot of, like, a lot of time because the school systems are all different. And then the school just kept on pushing me to the side and, and maybe try to take a, a learning disability class and try to do something. But it was more just trying to push me to the side. And, and I kept passing. I failed a lot of classes, but then I kept somehow in the end got enough credits to keep passing. And it was just a lot of that happening. But I started and I went to youth. And this is where things started changing because, again, there was a standard in the house now. Mom and dad are home, um, and, and God is the center of our life. And what you used to watch, you didn't. But I would find myself sneaking around watching because that's what I was craving at times because that's what I knew and, and, and just curious. And then, you know, because the music, they, they didn't care. It was just like if they're already letting me watch these weird movies, you know the music and everything else is going to. And let me say something about the music. If you think it's just about the beat, another gateway in your life is your ear holes. Because whatever you let into these bad boys is going to set into your heart and it's going to come out of your mouth eventually. And, and we, we act like it's just a good song and we turn a blind eye to the, the words of the song or to the, some of the stuff. And I'm telling you right now, it's the devil's playground. What do you think Lucifer did when he was in heaven? He was in charge of it all. And when he was casted down, where's he at? In charge of it all. And we act like this ain't a thing. And so that became a stronghold in my life. And so grow, growing up and going to junior high and all that was exposed to a lot of different things. And it was crazy because I, I got thrown into all this stuff. And we started going to church. And we went to a church called VCC, Victory Christian Center, when we moved home. When we, before we left, we went to that um, Terre Haute Church of God. Pastor Ballard was the pastor um, over there. And, and then we left and came back. And all our family started going to VCC. And that's where we ended up going. Went to youth group, started hanging out. And I started finding myself in, in the youth group, I started finding myself just trying to figure out how to fit in because everybody was there and they had their, their, their way of life. And, and what was crazy, church, is that I, I still didn't know who I was. I played it. I played it because I was like, I don't even know. And then you start hanging out with your friends and you start doing dumb stuff. And one thing we did do is we went to church every, every Wednesday night for youth. And I never got to experience, like, Royal Rangers and stuff like that before because I, I was just thrown in the mix, and I always was around older people. And, and then I hid through not reading well and not knowing certain things well because of the, the, the steps that were missed in between moving and the school systems that did it different. And so I just played it all off. But I started doing stuff in my life that wasn't necessarily the best things because I started finding like trying to go to church, but I realized as I was going to church, 
um, that I didn't, I didn't really know who God was. Um, they, 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 they scared the hell out of me. And, and so I chose Jesus because of fear of going to hell. And so then there was this weird relationship with God that is always in a fearful way. I know we're supposed to fear the Lord, but I, like I've said here many times that like there's a different way. God never came to condemn us. He came to love us and he came to save us. And we can love the hell out of people instead of scaring it out of them. Um, and and, and it, it's true. And, and so that, that, that set a course of that. And then yet in that, I still was playing games. Um, I felt like that the church, can I just be real about it? I felt like the church, that the, me and the teenagers in the group, I felt like we were part of an organization. And I was never a part of an organism. If we're the body of Christ and we all play a part, why wasn't I? Why couldn't I? Oh, you're here. You're going to be the next generation to do something great. And we were always, you're seen but not heard. And you need to go off to the side, and somebody needs to do that. And, it, and, and then all of a sudden, we started having these, these moments of, of neglect because I think we went through like eight, eight pastors, five or six youth pastors, like all together, yeah. And so there was no consistency when they, they would leave, and then there was no answers. They just left. And so we felt abandoned, and then we just started trying to survive on our own. And nothing was just like, this is what you need to do. And then there was no, it was an organization instead of an organism. And so it became just, no, there's no body. You're going to do it next, but you can't do it now. I do thank God for the, the youth pastor that allowed me to come an hour early to learn how to play the drums because I didn't know how and I wanted to. And I would just hit the bass, boom, and hit the hi-hat, and hit the snare, boom. I didn't even know what those names were. And he let me beat the fool out of those drums. And I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And I thank God for allowing a youth pastor to see past my pain and, 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 and study through my, his pain of hearing me. Um, um, I, was, I was horrible. I never knew how to play any instrument at all. Um, not at all. I didn't even have a desire to, except the drums, the drums at first. But as we started to get going, then stuff started turning because I just started playing church. We would go to church, and we would see what God was going to do. And yes, I'm not, I'm not saying that that whole experience was bad, but I'm telling you right now, it was, it was I, I watched my mom and dad go through drugs and alcohol and the, um, all that stuff. And then I started seeing a change, and then it was, it was crazy because as you get older, you start going to church and then you start playing church because you come to church and you experience God and you're like, wow, this is cool. And don't get me wrong, there was powerful moments at church. God moved in some of the youth services and some of the, the, the adult services and the prayer times and, the, and the stuff like that. And off and on, I would see, you know, not say nothing, see like how my mom would feel hurt because they didn't understand my mom uh, in her life and how she prays and, and she's excited. They didn't know how to control her. Just being real felt like they had to control her because if she got out of control, you know, how's that a move of God? Because I'm supposed to be the pastor to show the move of God. And you're a woman, so you shouldn't be doing it anyway. And that this is where, you know, it, side note, and I'm going to get hate for this real quick. There's a lot of places, and it's church hurts the most when it comes to women. They believe women shouldn't be in any leadership. A lot of churches do. 
I don't know what Bible they're reading, but I'm telling you right now, why couldn't a woman go in a basement and teach kids Sunday school, but they can't stand behind a pulpit and teach the church also? There's something wrong with that. I get there's, there's a lot to that, and I can explain that at a different time. But I saw that, and I saw the hurt of that. I remember one time she was going in the prayer room, and I was there, and I saw the look on her face because they locked her out. They locked the door so she couldn't go in. So I'm watching this unfold. Now I'm mad. And, and, and in that, I was still living a life, and I started living a double life because now we're, we're having fun, but then we're going out on the weekends, and, and we're, we're, we're cruising the bass, and we're hanging out, and we start doing dumb stuff. And they would have youth services like, what, what do you need to get rid of? And we would turn in our CDs, you know, the kids, those are round and they're thin. And, and um, we would turn them in. We're like, yeah, we got to get rid of this stuff. And, um, and it was like bad stuff, you know, like some crazy Tupac, God rest his soul, they found his killer. Um, but they would, uh, <laughs> they would, we would get rid of these things in a box. And then later that week, we would go, when it was time for church, we would go early and try to sneak in and like, break our wrist to pull them out and hide them, to take them, because we, we were so convicted, but then we, we were so numb, because we're like, why would we go buy this again? Why don't we just steal it back? And, and it, it says that it, in the Bible, it talks about going seven times worse. Now, in the midst of all this craziness in my life, and doing dumb stuff, going to church, experiencing Christ, and faithfully going, there was a new drug in my life. It was that I needed God, but I didn't, I didn't sell out to him. I sold out to an ideal of him but I didn't sell out to fully following him because I needed him. And it was just like sin. I wasn't, uh, I, I didn't hate sin. I hated the effects of it. I hated the way it made me feel. Just like when you just, you know, you say you hate alcohol, but you hate the way it makes you feel because you got a hangover in the morning. But if you truly hated alcohol, you wouldn't mess with it anymore. It's like that. And so sin became, oh, I need to come to the altar. Don't get me wrong, church. Keep coming to the altar. Don't stop coming to the altar. Don't stop having a moment with God, wherever that, if it's here, if it's at home, wherever that altar becomes in your life. But it, it was just the same, it was the same stuff over and over because I hated the effects of it. I didn't truly hate it, so I wouldn't walk away from it fully. And my life became that. Now, I'm telling you this, and I know we got to get going soon. I'm telling you this because you got to think. Now, in these stupid moments of my life, I'm living in a household where my mom praise to God. And my dad, praise to God. And you know who my mom is, if you've, if you've been around her. Now, how in the heck are you going to live in that house and be doing that dumb stuff? So I, I kept hiding stuff. And there were times I would be like mad and she would see it and they would see it and, you know, be like, you know, son, you need to get it together. You're like a joker. You got this, you know, because I was always clowning and always almost was class clown in high school and just had so much fun. I didn't care. I was, but then it became a part of my life where I took it for granted and I just laughed about church and I would go and I would have moments and then I would go into, try to go in my room. You know, it's bad when you can't even get in your bedroom because there's enough anointing oil on your doorknob that you can't even turn the knob to get in your own room. You see oil dripping down the, 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 the wall, dripping down the, the, the two windows, dripping down the door. I'm like, oh, my God. What is going on in this room? And mad because now it's all over my hand, and I smell it for days, and I forget it's on there and rub my eyes, and it's burning for hours. And you can't get in your room. And knowing that I shouldn't live the way I live. And it got me to a place, church, 
where I just kept playing church, where I just thought, you know, it's no big deal. I'll live the life I want to live. You, you know, and I would say I love God. I experienced, now hear me, I went to the Brownsville Revival. God wrecked my life. Now, if you never heard of that, type it in a Google, Mr. Google, Dr. Google, whatever you want to call him, and see this revival. It was messing people up. People would wait for 16 hours just to walk in the door, and half of them fell out in the parking lot and couldn't even make it in. I left the church and turned around and stood in line. That was how it was for me. Like, I'm like, I'm all in on this. This is crazy. I would walk out of that service, and my parents would look for me, and I think I, I was in a bush or something. And the evangelist, Steve Hill, prayed over me. I just happened to walk by, and he laid his hands on me, and I was like, Pshoom. wild moment. And then I turned around and got right back in line and put a pillow and slept on the concrete right when church got out. You're talking got out at like midnight, and I turned around and stood right there until the next night, waiting to get in so I can get in first and get in to the front. We can't get people. We'll have somebody probably show up in a little bit to come to church, in just a little bit. But we can't get people to even come on time to church, let alone hungry to come early. And so that, those were happening to me. But I got, I, all the way home, 16 hours, we were like praying over each other and God moved and we were not, I think somebody carried me to the car and just laid in bed and shook. Like my, my body couldn't handle what God was doing. Had a moment with God. But then give it time, it faded out because the fire got out. A lot of it was my fault. Some of it was, you know, I was part of an organization because I wasn't, there was no passion with to get these kids plugged in. It was just more of like, this is what we do. And not, not trying to develop students and kids and let them be used by God in the moment. And then I found myself going deeper in the hole. And then I had the opportunity to go to Israel, walk the streets of Jerusalem. Like my mom said that one time, took people in Hezekiah's tunnel, which was wild. Went to uh, all kinds of places in Israel. Had a moment, and then in high school, in that moment, I, I was in speech class, and I was supposed to do a presentation, and you had a board, at everything that represented you. And I had it all ready, because that was the life I lived. I go to Israel, and my turn was next, but I had to wait till I got back. I come back, and it was just this difference about my life. Like we went to Mount Carmel, and we saw the, the mountains that surrounded Jerusalem. And Mount Carmel, if you know what Mount Carmel was about, it was about how the bell gods were trying to do a thing. And, and there was a bad, this crazy battle that happens on this mountain. And then he runs and hides, and, and Jezebel's trying to, trying to get him after he destroyed 400 false prophets. You know Jezebel's a bad mamma jamma. Well, she can control everything. But in that Mount Carmel, there was a garden, and I was invited to stay there. They wanted me to live there and attend to the garden and help play the drums at the church in Mount Carmel. And I said, no, I don't know about that. I don't. And if I would have said yes, I think my parents would have found a way for me to do it. And I just was so torn between me and what I was doing that I had an opportunity to go live there, which was crazy. And uh, when I, I came back, I'm in speech class, and they're like, okay, it's your turn, Brandon. And I felt the conviction of God. Now, you, mind you, I got a board 
that has all this stuff is like, yeah, I like Doc Martens. I like Limp Biscuit. I like Three Six Mafia. I like, I started naming all this weird, crazy music and this, all this stuff. And I started pointing at it, but I had, a, I had an opportunity to say, you know what? This is who I thought I was going to be. And I'm not him anymore. But I didn't because I was still trapped. You know what I'm saying? We know you're clapping because you probably don't understand the fact that I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I said I was those things. And I felt so ashamed of myself. I started going deeper again in the hole because I kept going to church and I still lived a life and I still kept doing what I was doing. And, you know, when, when that was happening, there was a moment after that that was going down and my mom would pray for me and, and be stern and stuff because I was starting to change. Everything was changing more and more. And I would go to church and then I just went and then whatever. And then I would come home and then we'd go party. We'd go do dumb stuff on the weekends. And um, I'm, I remember a moment where <clears throat> I had a CD <laughs> that I was listening to because I had a, I like, I like fast cars. So I had like five Camaros. I drove the black one and my mom gets in the car and there's moments of, you know, I think every other word's an F word. But then in my room, I had a sound system, but I would turn it down, and when she wasn't home, I'd turn it up. And then she just happened to come home early and hear some crazy music. And the title of the CD in the case, because the song, it, it said, Unleash the Dragon by Cisco. <laughs> and the moment she saw that, she went buck wild. <laughs> She's like, you ain't playing that unleash the dragon in this house I'm gonna unleash the Holy Spirit you know like and I would I'm like you ain't messing with me that's my music and it was it was ignorant stuff this if you don't know who that guy is he got the silver hair and he did unleash the dragon and thong song and this and that stupid life man and I said I'm gonna hide this thing you ain't gonna I shut the door and heard it and locked it it's like you ain't gonna you ain't gonna find it leave me alone you're crazy and I would be more mad because God would speak to my mom and tell me, and then I'd be mad and be like, your mom, you're a mess. But she was right, and I was mad because she was right. <laughs> so I get going, and I got this CD, and I'm like, well, she's going she's gonna to mess with this. So I'll just, I'll hide it from her. She ain't going to find my Unleash the Dragon. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to hide it in my Bible. She'll never know. Why would she want my Bible? She got like 10. I slide it in my Bible right in the middle. Didn't even pay attention and shut it. I leave and she thinks, I'm thinking, she, she thinks I have it. And I'm with, you know, pull off and my car has loud pipes and wah, I'm just flying down Frisco. And I get back home and I'm just like all peppy and I open up my door wipe my hands off because there's oil on it again. She must be a mechanic. I don't know. Um, I open my door and there lay Cisco, unleashed the dragon in pieces all over my bed. You clap like it's good. I was mad. Because I went to Circuit City and bought that thing. 
And it was all over the place. And she wrote me a note. And she wrote me a note and laid it on my bed. And I shut the doors. Now, she didn't come in there and I told you I'll find this. She just like doing dishes like nothing's going on, staying in her own lane, and lets me get to my room and shut my door and lets me experience this all by myself. Can you show that picture? Never say never, Brandon. God sees everything you do. I'll never find that CD. And how dare you put it in the holy word of God. Brandon, don't mess with and play with fire. You will get burnt. <laughs> you know what's crazy is my mom gave me this when she went to Israel, this, this handkerchief. And I don't know why, but for some weird reason, I have never got rid of this letter as a reminder in my life. I know how, how far I go. Like, it, it is frustrating when your parents know. Um, and, and it is the original deal right here. And there were times I just didn't want God. And it was laying there, and my Bible was laying open. This Bible, this is the Bible that I hid it in. I found it today and upstairs. I knew I needed to get it. And I opened it up, and this is where it was at because I forgot it was there. And when I opened it up, it said, Jeremiah 1.5, it says, Before I formed you in your womb, I knew you. Brandon, before you were born, I set you apart. Brandon, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Brandon, and it says, your purpose, your destiny, hurry, and it's got, a, it's got an arrow pointing at the scripture. And then it has a letter that says, Brandon, I'm sitting in your room. It's midnight, Saturday night. Truly, I miss you so much. Only the Lord knows my pain and my hurts. I love you so much. I guess that's why I hurt so bad. And I feel the way I feel. I feel like I'm lost my son. There's no words for all this as a mother. I've tried with all my heart and strength to guide you. I'm so sorry if I didn't help like I should have. If you ever need to talk or just want to just to be together, I would love that. I miss you, Mom. And those moments, I still ran, knowing that God you know, knowing where my mom came from and she's watching me go down the path that she took and there was no need for it. And I kept running and there were times where, you know, like I said, it's, it's hard to do anything and we would sneak out, jump out of the window and 
it'd just be stupid because my car was so loud we would push it down the street two blocks and start it by Sally's house and take off and hope to God she didn't wake up and hear me because it was harder to go up the hill than it is to push it downhill go out and party and smoke pot and do dumb stuff and then drive as fast as I can down Frisco to hurry up and put it in neutral and turn the car off so it would coast into the driveway and then walk in the front door instead of jumping back in my window with a friend I'm like oh my god that was crazy thank god we made it man I'm yeah, that was wild. Let's hurry up and get to bed. It was like four in the morning. Let's get to bed so we can get going. And we were, I think, a little drunk and high. I opened my front, um, I opened my bedroom and turned my light on. And my mom pops out of my bed and says, I'm your worst nightmare. And I was like, oh, my God. Because God woke her up and told her to get in my room and go lay in my bed and pray for me. And I was doing dumb stuff over and over and, and over again. And there was moments of that all the time that God was trying to say something in my life. There's a lot of stuff in this Bible that I haven't even looked at for so long. There's a, there's a flower. That's crazy. I put this in there when I was in the Garden of Israel when I took this Bible with me. She she highlighted and wrote something in this, too. It says, my son, Proverbs 3, my son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commandments in your heart, for, for, for they will prolong your life for many years and bring prosperity to you. Let, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and have a good name in the sight of God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own ways. Fear the Lord and shun evil. She highlighted that. And this will bring you health to your body and your bones. Brandon, 327, 2000. Brandon, heads up, heads up, shoulders back. You must get into the place to be sold out for God. Hurry, Brandon. I love you, Mom. I wasn't even living like that. I'd had moments in these encounters and be so mad, but yet keep them and know she was right and, 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 and keep all this stuff in this Bible. But then I started finding myself going down a deeper hole again. Now hear me, I've encountered God fully. It became a new drug to me. I would want God and then I would go home and still do it. I would leave church and go act a fool over the weekend and come back and want God because I could not just fully make a decision to fully devote my life to Christ. I played it and then I wondered why I was still in the same mess I've been in for years. I don't know for you if it's like that, if, if, if teenagers, if you're still messing back and forth or adults or marriages or whatever, but if you want it to change, you've got to make change happen. You truly got to make it happen. Then there was a moment towards the end, you know, graduating high school and doing all this stuff, and a lady named Mary Barons came over and stayed the night, and she was a good friend of ours from Arizona, and she visited, and God gave her a word over me. It, it, it wasn't my senior year. It was like the year before. And she said, God told me to tell you something. I said, okay. And they pulled me into my mom's room, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> they got the music going, and they're they in there, and they've they just been, you can tell they've been praying. Eyes are watering, and I'm like, oh, God. 
So they're going to try to lay hands on me, and I'm going to go ahead and get my stance ready so I don't fall. And she said, God told me to tell you something, Brandon. She says, very soon you'll find your wife. She'll have brown, brown eyes, brown hair. She'll be a songbird. She'll have things wrote down. She'll be a beautiful woman. She'll be everything you need, and she, you, you will find her, and she, you will need her because for this next season you're going in, and where God takes you, you're going to need her. She's going to need you. And she went into detail. Now, what do you think any teenager is going to go do? Boy, I went on the prowl. I was looking for every good-looking girl with brown eyes. One girl could sing, but she was ugly, so that didn't work. This girl was pretty, couldn't sing, but wrote stuff down. You out. And I started searching and started hanging out and dating, and, and then, you know, I was in my mind, kept checking it off, like, okay, is that her? You know, some were close. And then I got frustrated. Because when God, when God says something and God uses somebody to speak something, the problem we have, church, is that we jump the gun and start trying to figure it out for ourselves. And then we get ourselves in trouble because then we don't, it don't add up right. Then I just gave up because I was mad. And then I started dating somebody. And she definitely wasn't the one because my mama would already be like, she ain't the one. She ain't the one. She ain't the one. But, you know... I think the problem is is trying to make force something to happen. Can I can I be raw and and help some of you on here? Quit trying to force relationships on your kids. You are not the Holy Spirit. You're not Cupid. You're not anybody. If God wants it to be, it will be. But you can ruin a lot of lives doing that. Oh, look at you too. Oh, they're going to be good. Oh, look at you. And you already got something set up for somebody, and they don't even know who they are. You're still wiping their butts and feeding them, and they ain't even doing anything you ask them to do. Yeah, like you're going, they're going to be married soon. Teach them how to be a good godly woman or a good godly man and let God do the rest putting it together. This happens too much. Guys, I'm, and when I'm saying this, this stuff happens being in youth ministry. I told Sam, I said, man, if you want me to leave, I can because... I've been in here, holy cow, I've been doing youth ministry for over 20 years, which is weird. I was like, I'm your OG here. He's like, I'm just trying to get some young people in here. I'm like, yeah, I'll be able to leave. I'm playing. I mess around with Sam with that. But I still go back into youth at times because I love it. I love hanging out with them. I love being a part. It ain't like I'm just watching Sam. You doing it right, Sam? You going to do it right? No, I'm like, I'm championing him. What do you need done, Sam? I'll be, I'll be, your, I'll be your best friend in that. I'll help you do it. I'll, you know, I'll be your guidance. I'll be like a father figure in a way, but I'll also be, I'll, I'll serve you, Sam. I'm here to serve you, Sam. And, uh, and so I was on the prowl, but then what happened was is I just got in a bad relationship, and it just kept getting worse. And all of a sudden, that relationship broke up my and all at once, and the Bible says you, if you keep going deep into the stuff you're going to, you keep going back to it. Remember the stuff you get rid of and the stuff you make a, de make a declaration on and you go back to it? How much harder is it to get rid of it the next time? It's seven times worse. And, and in the Bible, it talks about that God is a jealous God. He wants you. And I started finding myself going deeper, and I keep saying that deeper word, 
I would go down the hole deeper because next thing I know, I'm not with the girl anymore. It all got jacked up, and I was jacked up in it. Jacked up in it. I know. <laughs> and, you know, years later, I think I saw her, and I was like, thank God. I, you know, never mind. But, and then what I, because of what I thought was valuable to me, was like, I just need my car. I had my, my, my music and my sound system. And I, I, needed, I needed my girl. Kids, don't tell your mom I was dating somebody else. Um, needed my girl and all this stuff. But then all of a sudden, the girl's gone. All of a sudden, somebody stole my entire sound system out of my car. No, you better watch your mouth. She probably set it up. Hey, go take that. And then all of a sudden, my car blows up. Then I lose my car. And then I, what do I got? A boom box on a bicycle just rolling down the street? You know what I mean? Like a moped. <laughs> I did have a moped. But, but what I'm saying is it go, if you need a sign in your life <laughs> to get out and to do it different, here's your sign. But I'm so ignorant that I didn't see it. I hit my head on it and kept doing it. Fool me once, fool me twice. No, fool me three times, four times, five times, six times, seven times. Boy, I had knots everywhere. I was like a weird unicorn. Like, <laughs> I was jacked up. But I just kept going. And then what did I do? I went deeper. Then I started hanging out with friends of friends. Then I didn't know anybody. Nobody I knew. They were my friends' friends' friends. Showing up at parties. Doing stuff. You know, in that relationship, I, I lost my virginity, the, the first one. That's something I can never take back. And I, I bawled my eyes out on the way home after that night, knowing deep inside that it was wrong to live a life like that. And then I just kept going. Because when you open that gate, you create a soul tie. And when you create a soul tie, you, you hunger for it. Because that is good when you're married. That is healthy. But when you play in house and you're going from guy to girl or whatever and you, you're trying to fulfill something that's never going to be fulfilled because you ain't in the covenant of God, you got a major problem on your hands. Now, I ain't trying to, you know, like people are like, well, you might, no. You and God. You and God. But that's what was happening. So everything kept getting worse. I lost the music. I went deeper in the music. Deeper. Lost all that, went deeper. Started doing stuff just, and no, no hesitation, just grabbing stuff. Oh, try this. Oh, okay. Didn't know it was laced with something else. Didn't know that. About to pass. I don't know how I even made it home. Wouldn't come home all night. Cussed my mom out. She would ask, son, come here. Do you want Jesus? Do you want to accept Christ? I don't want nothing to do with Jesus. Leave me alone. And there were moments, I hate you. You're a bee. That's not who I am because the enemy was invading my soul because I guess he saw something that I didn't see this moment but a, 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 a crazy point that that happens is one of the last straws was young adult 
found myself at a party, and there was multiple parties, and, and there were things I did that I'm not proud of, being prideful and pointing and acting like that and, 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 and being lustful. I'm being real. Can we be real? Lustful. I mean, it didn't help that the girls had it all hanging out anyway and it hanging, pulled up anyway. And can I tell you something, girls? Have more pride in yourself and protect yourself and your identity. Quit messing around. Get off, the, get, off the, get off everything, having to get your angles. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is real. And I'm not saying that it's all girls' fault because there's some, some hater boys out there, too, looking for something. And they ain't, they, they, they'll tell you sweet things real fast, but I promise you this, they don't mean well. Because I was one of those guys. Back in the day, I was one of those guys. You, you putting it out for sale, I'm buying. I got real quiet. Because another thing that would happen is because of my young age and watching what I watched, there was different things that would happen with pornography because it was on the TV of watching a movie. And then that got a, burns images in of you. And I don't know who you are or what you're doing. I'm just telling you right now, uh, the enemy's playground is the pornography. And it, it's vital on women and men and kids and teenagers. I mean, I, you could play a video game and, and an ad a pop up saying, do you want to take her clothes off? Do you want to change her outfit? Watch what's going on, people, and adults. I know you're sitting there squirming, but I'm telling you right now, don't, don't go down that road. It's a vital road. It's vicious. It destroys your life. It destroys. It tries to burn images in your life, and it will destroy your marriage. And I tell you, that night, we were there, and I, I, I knew a guy that knew a guy, and we're sitting there in this house, and it, it was a wild deal. They were drinking. This, and and the, what's crazy is the kid was like 17. Now, I'm getting ready to get out. I'm getting ready to get out. And the kid's like 17, and I didn't even know him. It was his house. But he starts jacking around. Then he's got some of these girls coming over, and everybody's hanging out and being all, ah, and they were just some trashy, you know, hoochie mamas. And, you know, nobody wanted that. You should go somewhere. And that's how I was. I was just like, okay. Because <laughs> I was over it, and I was just hanging out just to hang out. And this dude pulls out a gun. And all of a sudden, he pulls a gun out, and he's messing around. Well, yeah, I built this gun, blah, blah, blah. And somehow, he's living in this house by himself, 17. I don't know why or even how. But he built, he, he's messing around with this handgun. And I said, and, and see, at this time in my life, I was never a fighter. I was always a lover. And I always built built friendships in ways I was always kind to everybody you know at school how they have all their little cliques like they're gothic kids and they're goodwill gangsters and Kmart cowboys and whatever you want to call them um, so there's all that but I always like hung out with everybody I would sit one day over here I would sit over here one day I would sit over here with the hippies I would sit over here with the preppies I would sit over here with the jocks I would sit over here you know like I didn't care like I just saw people it didn't bother me and uh and that, that was what, how I lived. And this, this guy, he's, you know, and, and, and hold on, in, in, in that area, then I started becoming numb. And so then I didn't care because I had nothing to live for. So I was ruthless, wild. I had let the anger get the best of me. And, I, and my parents could prove it by knowing how many holes they had to patch in that bedroom in the back. Yeah. <laughs> Doors. I mean, I would punch holes everywhere. I would be mad, have anger problems, and just, just hit it until I hit the one 
the one wall with the stud, and it, it made my knuckle go back here. And then I had to go to the hospital, and they had to place it, and my dad went with me and laughed the whole time. That's what you get, boy. That's what you, you know. And I'm sitting there crying, and I'm like, oh, my God, this hurts. And he's like, duh, you know. Now fix the wall. <laughs> so then I would be angry like that. I would play football and be mad because somebody pulled my shirt, and we'd play tackle football, but then I would beat him up because they pulled my shirt. You know what I mean? Like the stupid stuff. So then I face people like that, but I didn't care. So this guy pulls out a gun, and he's like, yeah, check this out. And I'm like, dude, he's sitting down. I'm standing up, and I'm just walking around. I'm like, I don't even know why I'm here, but I'm here, and whatever, we're just hanging out. Because before, it was always about like, red solo cup, I'll fill you up. So at times, I would just take a cup and wouldn't even drink because I didn't want to drink because I saw my dad and mom drink, and, they, and it messed them up, and I didn't want to be messed up. But yet I still was involved in it. So I'd walk around the party with a red Solo cup with water in it and just act like I was drinking. Hey, what's up? Yeah, whoa, what's cool? Until it started happening. And it wasn't deep because I wasn't addicted to anything, but I tried anything. I'll try it once, whatever. And so that stuff would happen. And so I would do that there. And then he starts doing that with the gun. And I told him, I said, dude, put your, I don't even know you. Put your gun away. Nobody wants your gun out. Put that crap away. I said, if you, if you keep this gun out, we're going to have some problems. Now, that's ignorant. You can't take a knife to a gunfight, right? Um, and, and he's like, dude, it's fine, it's fine. And he had his little trash girls next to him. And, and he was showing them, and then he pointed it at me. And, and he, he's like, look, I built an extra safety. He pointed it at my chest, and it went click. He's like, I told you, see, this is crazy. And he set it down. I said, I don't want to just set it down, and let's not mess with it again. Because I heard those stories when I was younger. That's why I don't really, I'm around guns twofold now a lot. And I mean, if you heard that I went hunting last year, it was because my wife uh, had some health issues and needed to eat deer. And I went, but I don't mess with guns and stuff. And I've got a lot of friends and stuff that do. But, you know, and I heard that, you know, when dad was little, he would put a gun to your head and stuff like that and, and call him a bastard and say stuff that about him and, and say that he's not his and he'll kill him. So that, that was never in our household. He puts it down. Two more girls come in the house. Now I'm sitting down next to him. The other girls leave, and this girl sits next to me, and this two girls sit next to him. And all of a sudden, he picks that gun up again. Doesn't do anything different. I'm watching him the whole time, and I'm telling him. I'm nudging him. I say, hey, bro, put your gun up, man. We, we don't need that. We, we get it. You got a gun. He didn't do nothing. He did, I watched his hand. I watched what he was doing. He's like, yeah, girls, look, I got this. I got safety on. He's not, he's not flicking nothing. He ain't doing not one thing. And he's like, look, I built this thing. And it's safe. And we're going through the story again. He holds it to his head and clicks it, and it goes off. And I'm sitting right next to him. And he starts convulsing, and blood is running down, and it's all over my lap. He is in my lap. And it's everywhere. Everything's everywhere. And nothing changed. Hear me. Nothing changed. And in that moment, I went to jail. My tires were slashed because the police came, and this dude's gone. He's fainted. And I think he, I think he might have survived it, but he's very handicapped now. But at that moment, I didn't know. Um, and, I mean, there's stuff everywhere. And had to go to jail, talk it over, see who did it and why they did it. And my tires were slashed because I said he did it, and these people were, it was a mess. And that was the moment I went home, and I was just like beside myself and had blood all over me and, and I walked into my parents room 
and said, I can't do this anymore. I can't live like this anymore. And in that moment, you know, my mom embraced me, my dad embraced me, and I was, I was a mess. I was a mess, and I hated that it had to get to that. Why does it have to get to your lowest point to accept Christ? Why can't you just do it? When you have so many opportunities, like that guy said, and he's dying, and he said, God, why, why didn't you save me? He said, I sent you a life vest. You didn't want to put it on. I sent you the raft. You didn't even want it. I sent you the boat. You didn't even get in it. What are you talking about why I didn't save you? You chose not to be saved. And I, it led me to a place of like, because I got so worse that I had death in my hands and watched somebody shoot themselves in the head and messed me up. And so that moment happened um, and it, it, it hijacked my life. A couple days later, my mom gets a call about there's a college from a man named Joshua Brewer gets a call and says from, her, from him, there's a college coming to Kansas City and they're going to be doing accredited college course. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I worked with my family. I just wanted to get out of town. I wanted, honestly didn't even care. I just wanted to leave. I wasn't even caring about college or nothing. I just wanted to get out. So I took a trip with Je Rebecca and them and and the kids, and they were little, they were so little, they were in diapers and stuff, and bratty, man, just jacked up. And I told him, I said, man, these kids were crazy. And, but uh, I didn't care, I just wanted to go, and they're good, you know, they, they were good boys, it was funny. Um, but they took me in and, and introduced me, and you know, I didn't, what I didn't tell you is a year before that, I went to California with my uncle, before that happened. To move him to California, I drove him to California from Chicago, and I met this guy, and they were starting a school, and I put a hundred dollars deposit and filled out the form, and I was going to go to California. I mean, who doesn't want to go to Cali? You know, it's just an image thing for me. And then I started doing that life again. I get there and I meet these people. And I met this guy named Al, and then I met a lady named Liz. Then I met another girl named Heather, but I didn't know they were all related. I met them all separate, and they were all related, and I started to go, and I was hanging out, and he was talking to me about it. I, I stayed out at a tent where he was doing fireworks, and, and he said, like, why don't you just stay at my house tonight, because my mom was coming to pick me up, because I stayed there for a while, and I'm like, well, let me just stay one more night. Let me see, and then we just connected, and he's just pouring his heart out about ministry and about what God wants to do, and I'm like, like I'm a mess, and I said, okay. And then he's like, stay at my house. And then I go to the house. And then there's this other girl with a green mask on, laying on the couch. Her name was Jennifer Davis. And she was ruthless. My God. Who are you? Whatever. Get out of here. Like, like hated. She didn't like me at all. Mad, cussing, smoking, drinking mad. She just moved back home because <clears throat> she was in a bad relationship, an abusive one. And I didn't care. I wasn't there for her because I finally figured it out. I can't do this anymore. I'm here for God. So you can get your nasty butt over there too, which I like. No. <laughs> but it wasn't like that. 
But I started going, and then I made a decision to go back. In the midst of that decision, I go back that fall. I'm home. I have to stay focused. I have to keep close to my parents. I have to get focused. Students, please listen to me. I know you can't stand them sometimes, but they, they're, they're for your, your, your interest, and I promise they'll be your best friends later. They're, they're there for you. I promise. I know it, it's weird, and they're just trying to protect you, and they're overprotective, and sometimes they don't even do good because they, they say something and don't do it themselves. But trust in it. I promise they're going to do well, and, and they got your best interests. They're, be they're, they're, they're in your corner when you don't like it. I promise. I know sometimes it, it sucks, and we all make mistakes. And so I decided to go, and I went, and all of a sudden, you know, you know I met her more and more, and uh, Jennifer Davis, and there was one day in the midst of that, I called my mom and I said, Mom, are you sitting down? She said, yeah, what's up? I said, I found my wife. Now this is my first year in college. I just got out of a bunch of crap and I'm focused. I didn't see Jen for her body. I didn't see Jen for what I could get from her. I didn't see Jen for anything. I just focused on Jesus, and he told me that that was going to be my wife. And then I said, Mom, are you really sitting down? She's like, yeah. She's like, well, because I said, I found my wife, and she's like, well, son, you know, you need to focus. I said, I know, I am. I said, but are you sitting down? I said, she don't know it, and she don't know Jesus. <laughs> And she's like, you got to be kidding me. And she took a deep breath, and then she just prayed. Now, let me tell you something real fast. Not everybody's story is going to be the same. Don't missionary date. Act like you're going to save somebody to, to, get, to get with them. Don't do it. But in that moment, we both knew when she broke out of that relationship that I wasn't looking for anything. I just knew, but I didn't say it, but then all of a sudden I told her I loved her. And I told her after that relationship that night that I'm going to wait for her, that I won't date you because you need healing, you need counseling, you need help, and I'm here as a friend, and I will wait for you until the time's right to marry you so that we can do this right. And all of a sudden, when that moment, a flashback hit me. You'll find a girl. She'll have brown eyes. She'll be a songbird. She'll have things wrote down. And it came to pass. Can I tell you something, church? When you finally let go and focus on God, he will direct your path. You, and maybe some of you are like, man, I, I just want God in this moment, or I, 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 I want to speak in tongues, or I want to do this. Or, I want to, I, when you let go and quit worrying how to do it or how to get to it and just follow his path, he will direct you to the path of what it will look like. And we did life. I know I got to go. We did life. And we went to Arizona and became the youth pastor and went through a lot of stuff. And I, I can't say that our marriage at the beginning was good because it wasn't. It was, but it, it, it started to get separated. We're 2,000 miles away from family, and I'm still trying to heal from those certain things. And she was healing from certain things. And all of a sudden, we're having kids 2,000 miles away and no family. So Jen has to separate from me on the youth. The youth went from five kids to like 250 kids. It outgrew the church, the youth service, the youth ministry did. And 
But then as she had to separate, I kept, you know, I'm a dog in it, man. I'm just digging deep, but I'm not keeping her on track with it. You know, I'm trying to balance it out, but how do you balance it out? Because when you balance something, you put weight on it, right? You got to be careful because if you put too much weight, it, you just need to prioritize something. And she would find out that the youth would know more than she would know. I was emotionally intact with that and locked in. I got to a point when a new pastor came in after the one left for 30 years. And my life just was going downhill. Doing ministry, and this is what we're doing, this is that. And then our marriage was struggling because I was putting ministry above my family. I put ministry all the way above it because I was locked in. Wouldn't you? Don't you know? Don't you get it? I mean, this is what, I mean, I'm finally doing it. <coughs> and just emotional distraught. Not, not there for her. I'm emotionally not with her. I, you, you know, you're, you're supposed to be with me, and we're not. And it got to a place when I, when I got let go, looking for help at church, and they said, we can't counsel you. You're, you're fired. We're going to go somewhere else. We're going to grab some other people. And then I got all my stuff put outside in the yard. My marriage is falling apart. And I blamed her. Why? Because my position was my God. made the ministry above everything and when ministry became above everything I lost my family and I mean we were digging man it was fun but it was out of order and just lost everything lost it all like literally they took my stuff outside and put it on the side and told me I had to find a vehicle to put it in and I'm like what the heck and they hired new staff and you know a new pastor comes in and brings his own crew but we're struggling in our marriage, and we can't get any help, any counseling. So long story short, we get into it a lot, and we separate. And we almost get a divorce over it. We're, we don't like each other. And the girls are real little. When I first saw Jada, when we got back together, she didn't want nothing to do with me because she was so little. And... But I was, I was crying out. In one hand, I'm saying, come get me. Come, let's just go home. She went to Kansas City. I went to Indiana. Just come home. Come get me. And she, then I was like, I hate you. No, just come home. No, I hate you. And she finally came home and picked me up. And, and I moved in with her family after hurting her so bad and blaming her and emotionally distraught. And we started doing counseling. And at first I didn't want to go, and, but it was good. And I say something about counseling. Counseling's good for you. It's not even bad. If you've got situations, you definitely, yeah. Even if you don't, it's good to just have it. And we started getting healing happening. And we were, and then we were, we were being coached and start going through it. And we start being on staff as outreach pastors. And, but at the same hand, we were in a daycare working, knowing this isn't what we are meant to do. And mom would come visit us and watch us. And we just, she knows this ain't it. Oh, my gosh. Until one night at midnight, 
God woke me up and said, I need you to move home. You're going to start a church. I don't want to start a church. I've been hurt by church. So in the midst of that pain and the, the shooting and all that, I tried to go to a few churches and they kicked me out because I was too old or I didn't fit and I didn't, I had a hat on, they wouldn't let me come in. And I was, I was at a place in that and like I'm, it's somebody else pushing me away, I'm out, I'm done. And so we come home. Now this is after doing counseling and been counseling and we just started trying to do life together at home and trying to figure it out. There was still some tension, but then we started to build. We started getting healing, we started trusting, we started loving, going through all that stuff. And all of a sudden we started to decide to do church and we did it in the house. And here we are 12 years later. Isn't that crazy? Um, I say all this because, can I show you a picture of me? Hollow. This is it. This guy. In his worst moment. If I could go back to him and tell him it wasn't worth it. If I could go tell that guy, don't go there. And some of you were like, well, that's what shaped you. But it didn't have to. It didn't have to shape me. I chose that life. Look how numb. Look at my eyes. I am as hollow and as dead as you could possibly be in all areas, trying to figure it out. If I could go back and tell that guy, you know, it's not worth just playing church and, and coming in and coming out. Yeah, if I could go back and even tell some people saying, you know, and I can't blame the church fully, but it, couldn't the church just, just believe in the youth and actually have them just be a part and serve and, and find identity in the, in the church? Couldn't they? You know, I could go back and say it wasn't worth it. It's not worth it. Don't do it. Don't do what you were doing. Don't go down that road because that road's going to take you and it's going to be a hard process. And later when you get married, it's going to be tough. Because you got baggage that you didn't have to have and you had encounters and you didn't want to be saved. And then finally, before you were saved from getting shot in your chest, you finally chose. If I could go back and tell him, Brandon, don't. Don't do it. Wait. Save yourself. Don't do it. And all the encounters that that guy had with God, walking in Israel, going to revivals, watching God do something, feeling at 13 years old, being filled with the Holy Spirit, seeing angels, experiencing God, but playing like it was just another drug. Then I leave and do what I did, and I come back and be like, oh, yeah, I need God. Then I leave and do what I did and come back, oh, yeah, I need God. That guy, bad. But I tell you, in the end, we serve a God that overcomes. He overcame death, hell, and the grave. And he chooses for us to overcome death, hell, and the grave as well by what he did on the cross. Stand with me. I, I'll, we can just put on some music when we leave, but I know it was a little long, and there's so much more. But if I could go back and tell that kid that's got diamonds in his ears and hoops, and his 90s necklaces on, this piercing on his lip and a piercing on his tongue. Made my parents so mad. My mom, my dad busted me in the mouth with, it, with his newspaper, 
right when I got it done, what are you? That's why you can't have the paper anymore, Dad. But I'll tell you this, parents, I don't know where your kids are. You may, might, might have kids that are old now, okay? Don't give up on them. Don't stop praying. If God can heal me and change my life, I'm telling you right now, you can do it for anybody. If God could say, I could still use you, son, to lead a church, to make an impact in a city that you created chaos in. Because all my friends were like, there's no way that this Brandon Norman, because I left for 10 years and came back, and they're like, there's no way Brandon Norman started a church. No way. No way. There can't be. It can't be. But God. And because of the decisions we made, look at us now. The impact that we make. And do you realize that the enemy just wants to destroy lives? You can honor me real fast, okay? But here's what's crazy. Say something happens to me and I just go off the rails. And how many of you would lead me? In a heartbeat? Oh, man, that, I can't believe it. I'm not saying that's happening. I'm just saying this is how life works. And that's why it was frustrating growing up and seeing pastors leave just because they were stepping up to get to the next level of assistant pastor to senior pastor. Our pastors were leaving because they fell into some problems. But nobody wanted them to stay to get healed and restored and get going again. They just kicked them to the curb and said, you're not allowed back. Sign this paper that says, and we'll give you some money. Am I telling the truth, church, on that stuff? I refuse as a church to do stuff like that. Whatever it takes to help somebody. And so I hope today that my, my story in, in some ways, with this Bible being so faithful to me, even though I messed around with it, even though I took a, a real sheet of paper out of it a long time ago and rolled a joint with it, I did bad stuff, guys. I'm telling you right now. I did not care. Hey, that's real thin. I don't have any papers. I can use that. And we can roll a joint with it. I'm just being real. But look what God can do. And you're probably like, this guy's wild and crazy. I'm crazy for God because I know what he saved me from. For real. But I hope it helps you and maybe gives you an idea of church. Like where I'm coming from and, and what God has directed us to do in church from where we've been and what I've been hurt in and, and trying to value people and see the best in people and see people being used now. We talk about it all the time because I've seen it not happen all the time. And I didn't want to do this, church. I'm being real. I didn't want to deal with people. People suck. There's nothing worse than sheep. Is that real? That's the real thing. But God told me, he said, I'm not telling you to do what you used to do. I'm telling you I want to do something different. And I'm on that journey every day doing something different, trying to make an impact or whatever it takes. And so when we start doing random things and changing things up, just go along with it. I don't know. I don't understand it sometimes, but I know God's directing it, and it don't look right sometimes. But we're going somewhere. God's doing something. And so like to see my parents not give up on me and keep going, and my wife not give up on me, and I didn't give up on her, 
And you know what I'm saying? And it just goes all the way around. And God is faithful to do exceedingly abundantly all we can ask and hope for. So church, I, I, I love you. I wanted to tell this story because I wanted you to see from my parents to me. I mean, that's where the church started. And you've heard some of my wife's testimony. And I'm telling you, God is turning things around for people. If he can use broken people that played the game, that went into some bad, bad stuff, and still use them. Taking a, I, was, I found Christ in a, in a drug house. And I experienced Christ in a drug house. And I experienced Christ in a church. And I, but I didn't fully devote my life to it. And if I can say anything when we leave here, is fully devote your life to Christ. If you say you're a Christian, you are a full, devoted follower of Christ. This world's not yours. It's not ours. So in all your areas, check off those boxes saying, no, I can't do that anymore. No, I refuse to do that. There's too much to live for. Students, don't be like me. Don't do it. Don't go there. Don't be him. Be better. Let God use you and direct you. And, 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 and he can use you now, students. Don't go there. I'm telling you, you'll go further with Christ than you would ever try on your own. And just know that the best is still yet to come. We serve a good God, church. That's it. I did. That's the life, and I'm excited about what the future holds. I'm excited. Like, from that point, we got kids, and we got kids on. You see what I'm saying? Everything's grown. We got seeing what God's doing in our lives. And we got, we got these babies back here. We're seeing what God's doing, and it's all because of somebody. Thank God he didn't give up on me. Thank God he didn't give up on my parents that we just said yes because he knew that I would be standing here today and he knew that you would be in this room with me right now. He knew it when this guy was doing what he was doing. Brandon, hold together. There's more in stake than just the, what's going on. So what I can say to you is don't be held by your past and, and past failures, church. Don't keep holding on to them and reliving and keep doing the same cycle. It's called insanity. Just change and follow God for real. And you'll be completely transformed. Be absolute. If you say you're done with something, then be done with it. If you need to shut down that, that relationship, shut it down. If you want to quit smoking, throw it away. Quit smoking. Quit saying you're, it's just, it's just, you did. No, it's your excuse and you're in control because you have pride. That's the problem we face. That's the problem he faced. Because I wanted control of my life. But what I realized is when I lose control, he takes it and, and does it right. But I have to let go to receive. Just fully devote it to him. And I promise you this. Yeah, will the enemy come in and try? But guess what? Guess what I hold on to? The anchor of my soul. The ship shakes, but the anchor holds. Well, if I'm serving God, why is it like this? Why is it so tough? Why is my health? Why is my finance? Why is this? Because that's life. We live in a sinful world, church. That's what it is. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to let go of it and just drift away? You know how many people don't come to this church anymore because they let go and drifted away? But I believe they're going to find their way back home right through those doors in the end.
God, we thank you. I know this was long, but I had to tell it. Thank you, God. You saved me. Holy cow. So liberating. God, you said it best. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. I pray you touch the people, God. I, I was a vessel. I was an ignorant person. I was broken. But you still, in my brokenness, picked me up. And you formed me and you shaped me into what you want me to be. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you touch this, this body right here. And whatever they're dealing with or whatever's going on, God, even if it's an example of me, God, I pray that you consume their soul, convict their souls, whatever you got to do. Have your way, God. God, we're thankful for your, your saving grace. And thank you, God, for saving me for such a time as this, God, as we keep moving forward. And I thank you, God, that my children don't even have to experience things that I had to experience. And my children are trying to walk this thing out. Let my life be an example. Let my life light shine for you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys have a good day. We love